welcome to Empyrean, a podcast where we talk about heavenly and kingdom realities. If you are blessed by this episode and you want to further connect, you can follow me on Facebook, Darnell Craig, Periscope, Darnell Craig. If you're interested in a further spiritual education, be sure to sign up for my school or academia every Sunday night, 7 p.m. Central Time. For more details, go to my website, www.darnellcraig.com. Click on the tab or academia or inbox me on Facebook Messenger. Enjoy this episode, and I pray that it changes your life. Welcome to today's episode of Empyrean, a podcast where we discuss heavenly and kingdom realities. I'm the speaker, Darnell Craig, and today we're going to talk about divine creativity. Creativity is very essential to our walk as believers because the Bible tells us to imitate God as dear children. Um, So we talk about imitating God. In order to imitate God, of course, we have to be in close proximity to him. The scripture tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 that we've been raised up and made to sit in the heavens with and in Christ. So as soon as I become a believer, I shift positionally, and I'm raised up and made to sit in the heavens with Christ. So I'm with Christ in the heavens, but also I'm in Christ in the heavens. And what happens is now um, it goes from just being positional to becoming experiential. But the scripture tells us to imitate God as dear children. And this is very important because God has put us in position so that we'll be able to observe him so we can do what we see him do. Which means that the entire um, functionality of Christianity is education. The father is educating you in his house on how he does things and how he functions. He wants you to imitate everything you see. So we talk about creativity. Creativity is the ability to create something out of what seems to be nothing. And we ask ourselves, you know, where do I get the first reference of creation? You know, the first reference of creation is in the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 1. The scripture tells us, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, actually, you know, in Hebrew, it says, in the beginning, God created the Aleph and the Tav, the Aleph and the Tav, which means the first thing that God created was the Hebrew alphabet, which are the living letters, and everything that God created um, comes out of the Hebrew alphabet. So in the beginning, God created the Aleph and the Tav, and the Bible says, and the earth was without form, and it was void, and the Bible says that deep darkness covered the face of the deep. But then it says the Spirit of God moved over the face of the waters. And one of the things we come to understand is this, is that God was in a position where he was able to create something out of nothing, but he had a different type of perspective. You know, one of the things that, you know, the Bible says about God, which is very interesting to me, the scripture says that God is able to, he says the darkness and the light are both alike to him. So from God's viewpoint, there's no such thing as dark and uh, there's no effect of darkness and light. You know, one of the things we've been taught about darkness, we've been taught that light is good and darkness is bad. But in actuality, that's wrong because the Bible says that darkness covers God. So even though God is light, he's covered by darkness and darkness means mystery. But I want you to catch this. The Bible says that the light and the darkness are light to him. And if you are a child of God, it means the darkness and the the light are light to you. 
And, and you know, by, the Bible says that God will guide you with his eye. So to the natural eye, you won't be able to see the darkness that is in the light. Or you won't be able to see, my bad, the light that is in the darkness. But God has, has, has committed himself to guiding you with his eye. You know, I never forget, you know, a long time ago, um, like 2013, remember I was working in the hospital, and uh, quite frankly, I hated it. And I hated it because um, I felt like I was supposed to be doing, you know, bigger and better things. And I was young. You know, I had to be, um, I had to be about, what, six years ago? I had to be about um, 22 years old, you know, bad work ethic, you know, uh, flawed character, you know, you know, young people stuff. So what ended up happening is I'm at the job, and I remember one day I got so frustrated with my job. And I went, and, you know, I had this, 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 this habit, a custom of going into the chapel. You know, we had a hospital that was into God on the Baptist health system. So I went into the chapel and I would always go there to pray. And as soon as I walk in the chapel, you would just feel the presence of God because that became a meeting place for me and God. And I walked into the chapel and I began to pray. And I began to pray. The Lord spoke to me and he said, it is the best time of your life. And I'm thinking like, what? The best time of my life? And I'm, you know, I'm clearly thinking I must be talking to a demon or familiar spirit. And the Lord said this. He said, don't look at what you see. He said, if you look at what you see, you won't make it. But he said, see as I see. And then God began to um, take me back and show me through his eyes what was happening to me. And from God's viewpoint, it was beautiful because from God's vantage point, I was a sculpture being formed by people around me to make me into the masterpiece that God ordained me to be. So God was using what people thought about me. He was using what people said about me. He was using what people did to me to form and forge my character into who I was to be later. But from my viewpoint, I couldn't see it. So one of the things when we talk about divine creativity, when you become a believer, you have access to the eyes of God, which means that you will be in situations where you're able to see the light and what seems to be darkness. You know, one of the things that I've been saying for a while that I learned early on is that you're really prophetic when you can see the dynamic and what seems to be um, demonic. You know, a lot of things we call demonic is actually a dynamic, which means the things we go through, it's not demons. It's actually a building block or a chisel in the hand of God to make you into what he's called you to become. And contrary to popular belief, God is not actually opposed to adversity. You know, I'll never forget, I remember I was in a car and I was talking to the Lord and the Lord spoke to me, he said this, he said, you love the outcome. He said, but I love the process. Um, and I'm thinking like, what do you mean? And the Lord began to show me how from our, from our natural perspective, we just want things to be over with. Because we want the reward. We want the manifestation. For example, you just want a job. But God is building your character. He's developing long-suffering. He's developing patience. He's developing joy. He's developing uh, gentleness. He's developing self-control. He's developing these virtues in you. But you just want a job. So because you pray today and then receive a job tomorrow, from your viewpoint, God is taking too long. 
from God's viewpoint, he sees years into the future and he sees the people that you're going to meet. And he knows that in order for you to thrive in a CEO meeting, you need long suffering. In order for you to thrive in, in a daycare setting, you need patience. In order for you to thrive um, in, in, as a millionaire, you need self-control not to, 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 to swindle and bezel and, you know, fall for bribes. So he's using the low level things to build your character. But from your perspective, you just want things to be done. So from God's viewpoint, God is able to see the something and what appears to be nothing. And that's a creative. You know, I see a lot of initiatives and movements over the body of Christ when we see a creative conferences. And, and we think that creativity is merely painting or dancing or singing or the arts. But I want to submit to you that as a believer, you carry God's DNA. And there's no believer who does not have the power to be creative. As a matter of fact, believers should be the most creative species on earth because the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, old things passed away, all things are new. It says you become a new creation. So this new species, this new creation, this new race of, of, this new race of beings is the most creative people on the face of the earth. And you will have an uncanny ability to see opportunity in what appears to be nothing. I think Abraham Lincoln said it best. He said that most people miss opportunity because it comes dressed in overalls. And that's how we are a lot of times. A lot of times there are opportunities in what seems to be negative, but we want a red letter to fall from the sky and a God let us know that he's in it. But a lot of your opportunities will come as work. What I mean by work is you will be in negative situations where it seems to be adversarial so you can manifest your creative gene. And when I talk about a creative gene, I believe that a creative gene is an ability to make something out of nothing where what seems to be a shortfall or a shortcoming, you come out with the advantage because you saw it from a divine perspective. So we want, we want to learn how to manifest the God gene. You want to talk about opportunities uh, or, or, or scriptural examples where the God gene manifested. You know, the Bible says that the Lord spoke to Elijah and he said, go to the brook um, Cherith. And he said, I've commanded a widow. No, I've commanded ravens to feed you day and night. And the Bible says that Elijah, he did according to the word of the Lord. And he did according to the word of the Lord. The Bible said that the ravens came to feed him bread and meat. And evening and at night. And one of the things we see, according to scriptures, is God upholds everything by the word of his power. And there is a word that has gone before you. There is a word that is resting over you. And because of that word, that's where provision comes from. And it isn't necessarily about you hearing a word, but it's about the word that's watching over your life. And it is about the word that God has released over your life that he's watching over as a hen brews over an egg to bring it to pass. So because the word that was released out of heaven when you were born, the word that was released out of the heavens when seasons change, the word that was released out of heavens when you met new connections, that word is what opened things up for you. And every believer, you let, you actually live in the word because the word is Jesus Christ. And in him, we move, we live, we have our being. So against the happiness, that word is bringing sustenance. But there are times where seasons change and there are times in our lives where it seems like what was working three or four years ago no longer is working. And we have the tendency to become disillusioned or discouraged or frantic and anxious and fearful and doubtful and depressed. But what begins to happen is seasons merely do change because the Bible says that, you know, um, there's a time 
for every purpose under the heaven, and there's a season for everything. And I want you to understand that all seasons are not the same. And no, we're not dictated to by natural times and seasons, but there can be different epochs or different ages or seasons in the heavens where God wants to develop new things in you. There can be different seasons, times, epochs in the heavens where God wants to be something different with you because God is El Shaddai, which means the multi-breasted one, which means that God has many dimensions to himself, which means that sometimes there are times where, where, where the mother may want, you know, the child to change breasts. And there are times where God wants you to experience a different manifestation of him. But our, our the issue with us is that we love, you know, our habits and we love our cycle. We love regularity. But as a believer, you actually have to learn how to be comfortable being uncomfortable because as a believer, you're going to be in a lot of uncomfortable spots, but you got to be comfortable being uncomfortable because the person you're with is God. So, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you with me. And what else? Your rod and your staff, they comfort me in this dry, deadly looking place. So the issue is the seasons change for Elijah. And when the seasons change, the Bible says that he, he he said, go to Zarephath, and there I commanded a widow woman to feed you. And when Elijah went to the, the Zarephath, where the widow woman was there, unbeknownst to her, she didn't know that she was under a divine mandate. She didn't know that she was under a, a divine assignment. She didn't know that heaven was behind what she had in the house. And the Bible says that Elijah said that he said, hey, can you bring me some water? And he said, I'll do so. And he said, why you bring some water? Can you also bring me a little a little cake as well? Bake me a cake first. And she says, sir, I, I, I have no, nothing, not enough for you. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to make a cake for me and my son, bread for me and my son, and we're going to die. But he said, thus saith the Lord, the cruise of oil will not run out until the day that I send rain on the earth. Now, here's the issue. How is this relevant to you? Is relevant to you because the Bible says, if you believe, all things are possible. And one of the things that God will have to work on us in order for us to become creative, God has to work on your imagination. God has to work on your belief system because everything that the devil is doing is designed to limit your belief system. The devil wants to change what you believe about God. He wants to change what you believe about um, life. He wants to change what you believe about yourself. But he wants to bend your belief system in a way that limits you completely. On the contrary, God wants to change your beliefs about him. He wants to change your beliefs about life. And he wants to change your beliefs about yourself in order to widen or deepen your experience of him, yourself, and life. So we have two forces, two opposing forces. One force is working to limit you. One force is working to set you free. But the issue is the woman did not know that there was greater potential in, in the situation. She didn't know that there was more that could be done with her um, with her cruise of oil. She thought that there was all that could be done with this. And, and there are some of you, under the sound of my voice, there are giftings, there are talents, there are things you give it up on that God is going to call you to dust it off. For example, there was a woman who, who, who commented on my, my post not too long ago, and she talked about how she has a dream about dancing. And I would encourage you, woman, 
to pursue dancing with all your heart. If God has given you a gift and God has given you a talent, you don't need a word from God to pursue it. You don't need an angel to come and tell you to dance. But if God has given you that ability and it brings you joy, I would encourage you to pursue it. And I will guarantee that in that ability, provision will come forth. Because one of the keys to your wealth is your natural talents. The Bible says that God has given you the power to create wealth, you know, to create wealth. Each one of us has the ability to create wealth. And if you want to know how to create wealth, you have to get up and go look in the mirror and ask yourself, what are you good at? What is your natural talent? You know, what is your natural ability? What are you gifted at? What do you love to do? So much you can do it all day, but you're so good at it that people will pay you for it. What could you do all day for free? All day for free, but you're so good at it, people will pay you. If every job in the world paid $10 an hour, where would you work? You know, this is one of the ways we create wealth. Um, so when we talk about creation, you know, I want to talk about creating wealth. I want to talk about being creative because each one of us, this is my belief, this is Darnell Craig speaking, I believe that everyone in the kingdom should be an entrepreneur. I believe that entrepreneurship removes the cap of um, financial limitations. I believe that even if you have a job, you can open up a side business, you know, and, and make extra money or a different stream of income. But I believe that this income will come through education or through natural gifting, talent, or ability. And I believe that even education will enhance the potency of your natural talent, gift, and um, ability. I, I don't believe that, a contrary to proper belief, that education is unnecessary. I believe education... Um, empowers you to think at a higher level and that education actually teaches you how to critically think education is not telling you what to think but how to think and I believe that education will cause your 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 your, your um the, your, your brain capacity to be on the cutting edge and to function highly under duress stress and adversity I believe that education makes your brain resilient and also I believe education makes your brain creative so that was a Holy Ghost commercial but I want to encourage you that you have a creative gene inside of you and you're being thrust in situations to manifest a creative gene. For example, you may be at a job and you know this job is not paying you what you're worth, but you're doing things on the side. And the things you're doing on the side, you're making so much money with the things on the side that if you were to give your time and your effort to those things on the side, you would literally begin to prosper. You know, because one of the things that, you know, one of the things that we think um, that, that limits us is we don't know what to do. Well, I want to submit something to you. The best thing to do is the right thing. The next best thing to do is the wrong thing. But the worst thing to do is nothing. Let me say that again. The best thing to do is the right thing. The next best thing to do is the worst thing and the wrong thing, but the worst thing to do is nothing. And sadly, we have a lot of people in this hour who do nothing. But I want to encourage you to, to, to gauge your inventory, you know, because there's a lot of situations that we're expecting God to move, but God is actually waiting on you to take action. You know, one of the things that I'm becoming more aware of, especially recently, is ladies and gentlemen, you need a plan. You know, I hear people say, you know, uh, you want to make God laugh? Come up with a plan. Well, that's actually not the Bible. 
Because the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3, surrender your plans to the Lord and he will help you achieve them. Do you know that it's nowhere in the scripture you're told to pray and ask God what to do with your life? But it cannot, cannot submit to you that according to scripture, God is waiting on you. The Bible says whatsoever things you desire, what are the desires of your heart? What do you desire to do for your family? What do you desire to do in life? What do you desire to do in the world? What do you desire to do? And if you desire to do it, God will give you the desires of your heart, whatever you desire, not what God desires, not what your family desires, not what others desire for you. Whatever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive it and you'll have this. So God works off of your desires. And God is waiting on you to desire what you want to do. Because when you desire things, heaven backs your desires and heaven brings your desires into reality. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that the desire of the righteous is a tree of life. So when a righteous person desires something, it's coming from the tree of life. And there's going to be eternal fruit that comes from it. So a lot of times we're waiting on God to do things for us. And God is waiting on us to take action. Where did I get this from? The Bible says that when when the when the children of Israel were leaving Egypt, you know Pharaoh had a, a a second mind, and when he had a second mind, the Bible says that the script the Bible says that Pharaoh pursued the Israelites with all force with chariots and his army, and when he got there, there was a time where from the distance the Israelites could look back and they could see the Egyptians and they began to panic, and this is very interesting. The Bible says that Moses cried out to the Lord, but this is going to be very shocking to hear what God told Moses. He said, Moses, why are you crying out to me? Let's pause. Moses is a prophet. Moses is a man of God. Moses is the leader of a nation, and he's crying out to God, and God speaks back to him and say, why are you crying out to me? Can I submit to you that there'll be there are times where we're in situations where we're crying out to God, but hidden within us is a creative gene. Hidden within us is power and authority. And we're asking God for help. But God has allowed us to be in that situation so we can discover who we are. So Moses wants God's help. God wants Moses to function like he's in covenant with God. And there are situations we're in, you're praying. But God wants you to begin to declare and decree. I feel that right there. God wants you to function from the heavens and begin to declare and decree or legislate from a heavenly place what you desire. And as you begin to say what you desire in your father's name, angels will begin to hearken unto the voice of your word. And angels will bring what you desire to come to pass in your father's name. So you're crying out to God for help. And he's saying, why are you crying out to me? Watch. And not only did God say, why are you crying out to me? He said something interesting as well. He said, Moses, what do you have in your hand? And Moses looks in his hand and realizes he has a rod. And he says, he's a rod. And the Lord says, stretch out your rod. What is the principle? Number one, you'll never be empty handed. Can I submit to you? You're never empty handed. The issue is you're blind to what's in your hand. If you lack money, reassess your inventory. What in your hand do you have that you're not using? What aren't you willing to learn? What aren't you willing to become educated in? 
You don't always just have to do what you love. You can do things you have an interest in. You can do things that fulfill a need. But fulfilling a need, doing what you love, developing your gift and your talents, all those things create wealth. All those things create money. Now watch. He said, Moses, what's in your hand? And he said, a rod. And he says, stretch out your rod, which means the thing that you have in your possession, the thing that you have in your arsenal will generate money. Now, here's the thing. will generate provision. will get the job done. Now, watch. A lot of times we're wondering what to do. But the Bible says this. It says that if you meditate in the word day and night, the Bible says you'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water. Watch this. It says whatever you do will prosper. So if you want to prosper, love Jesus, love his word, and the Bible says whatever you do will prosper. It also says this. It says meditate in, in his law, meditate on his principles, meditate on spirituality day and night. Speak about it, think about it day and night. And it says you will make your way prosperous and have good success. Your prosperity is tied to your love for God, your love for his principles and, not, and, and your, your willingness to launch out and develop what he's given you. Here's the issue. We're looking for something that we already have. There's not one person that's empty-handed. And the Bible goes so far as it relates to the poor. The Bible says there is much food in the fallow ground of the poor, which means that if you ever see, the Bible says, no, this is a saying that we say. It says, teach a man a fish to eat for a lifetime. Give a man a fish to eat for a day. The issue is poor people don't utilize opportunities, which means that a lot of times poor people's mind have been conditioned by us demon of poverty to miss opportunities. So they're sitting on opportunities that they can't see. But it's much food in the undeveloped, uncultivated ground of the poor. And the Lord, as our Father, He's going to teach us how to cultivate and develop that that fallow ground, that ground that seems to be barren, the ground that seems to be unproductive. God will insert a creative idea into your soul out of heaven, so you can begin to develop and cultivate your fallow ground. Because in your heart, intrinsically, you are a gardener, and the Lord will place you in a barren place to function from a heavenly dimension. So through heavenly ideas, heavenly creativity, God manifestation. You can you can till and cultivate the ground and it can be fruitful and you can change that ground into a lush, fruitful garden because of the indwelling of the presence of God, partnering with angels and function from a heavenly place. So once again, you have a creative gene within you and you are inherently creative because you are a child of God. You are never without creativity. Let's talk about another creative example. The Bible says that there was a woman whose husband was a prophet and he died, but he died in debt. And the Bible says when he died in debt, she came to the prophet Elisha and she said, she said, um, you know, sir, my husband has died and he's left us in debt with me and my children. And they're, they're basically in our language, they're trying to sell or foreclose on everything we have. And he said this, he said, go and borrow vessels from your neighbors. Let's think. There are times where God will connect you with people who have what you don't have. And there are people around you who will add value to your life. So she said, go, he said, go and, and, and borrow vessels from your neighbors. And when he's borrowing vessels, she's borrowing vessels from the neighbors. 
He said, just fill every vessel. And the Bible says she filled every vessel. And when the last vessel was filled, the oil stopped. She went back to him and told him, he says, sell enough to pay the debt. And she made enough after that she could live off the rest. She made enough money off one sale to live comfortably for the rest of her life. How does this apply to you? God has surrounded you with people who are filled with wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And the people around you who are filled with wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, they are able to invest in you. They are able to pour into you through quality conversation, through, through think tanks or brainstorming. God will use those people to give you ideas, and those ideas will accrue or attract heavenly provision. They will manifest a creative gene within you. So when we talk about divine creativity, you, my friends, have the ability to create something out of nothing. The thing you think is nothing actually is full of something. And we saw this from our father in the beginning. He was looking at an earth that was void and without form and darkness. But his eyes saw potential in nothing. And he manifested the potential of nothing into a reality. And you, my friends, have the ability to see a potential business, to see a potential partnership, to see a potential opportunity, to see a potential idea, an idea, a business, a partnership, an invention, those things that the Father will drop in your heart that will go forth and create generational wealth, generational income, and create um, world transformation. This is very important because you have to begin to, after listening to this, you had to be you had to be in expectation of divine ideas. I made a Facebook post to every um the other day and I said you are one God idea away from your life changing. And when you pray, you don't need to just be focusing on needs. You know, a lot of our prayers we, we pray like beggars. We we pray like like um orphans. We need to be we need to pray for ideas. We need to pray that God awaken dormant potential. We need to pray that the Spirit of God show us what giftings, what abilities, what skills we have we're not using. We need to ask the Lord what, what our college major should be, what, what major would what, what I thrive in. We, we need to take personality tests. We need to do inventory on what we possess that we're not utilizing that's stopping us from, from um, going into that next tier, going to the next dimension. Because once again, the thing you think is nothing is full of potential. And because God will guide you with his eye, you'll be able to see opportunities other people can't see. So they'll ridicule you over it. For example, there was a young man named Mark Zuckerberg who had an idea to create an app that will connect people and connect people. And, you know, he probably was ridiculed, but he, had, he saw something no one else can see. And each one of you can see something no one else can see. The issue is, will you act on what you see? Because if you act on what you see, when you act on it, it'll create wealth for you because each one of us has the power to create wealth. So will we create wealth is the question. Will we be like our father is the question because our father, he, he owns the silver and the gold and our father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. So you have to allow your father to give you an idea, an idea or show you an opportunity or show you a, a invention or, 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 or inspire creativity inside of you. Because you have potential and a longing to create something. So, so don't, don't uh, waste your creative ability. And don't underestimate your ability to be great. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So we talk about divine creativity, 
you are much more creative than you realize. And you've been given power to create wealth. And your wealth creation will establish the covenant of God in the earth. And there's not one of us that will be left behind if we take heed to what the Father is revealing and if we position ourselves to receive God-inspired ideas. Because you, my friend, are a creator intrinsically, and you are a part of the most creative species on the face of the earth. There's no one like you. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things are new, and all things are of God. If you enjoyed this episode and you want to connect with me, you can follow me on social media, Darnell Craig on Facebook, um, Instagram, Darnell Craig. Also, if you if you enjoy the teaching and you want to sign up for my school or academia, um, go to my website, www.darnellcraig.com, and you can sign up for my school, my online school or academia. It's every Sunday night, 7 p.m. Central Time. Um, there's a monthly fee for more details. Go to my website, www.darnellcraig.com. And also, if this message blessed you and you just want to trade into the revelation or give to support the ministry and donate, um, give a donation, you can um, give on PayPal, Darnell Craig, Cash App, Darnell Craig, or just inbox me on Facebook Messenger um, if you have any questions or need prayer or anything. I hope this message blesses you, and I hope this podcast episode changes your life.